0: Have you ever noticed something? Enthusiasm makes hard stuff easier. Enthusiasm makes hard stuff easier. Passion is so valuable because it makes hard stuff easier. Fulfilling your purpose, fulfilling your purpose, and we talked a little bit last week about. Knowing God and, and our mark and 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 being on our mark and living with a living with a desire to go deeper in our relationship with God, fulfilling your purpose will require passion. It'll require passion. It'll require that zeal, that fervency, that enthusiasm. See, purpose has to do with our head right? Purpose has to do with our thinking. We talked about this back in August. Purpose has to do with our, our, our head. Thinking right about where we, about, about why we're here and understanding our calling. Knowing, kind of thinking, our, uh, knowing our purpose, knowing why we're here and what we're doing. Passion has to do with our heart, they kind of go hand in hand, but passion has to do with our heart. The internal fire that motivates us and energizes us to fulfill our, our purpose and do God's will. And the truth that I want to share with you this morning is that God is the source of spiritual passion it's not something we can manufacture it's not something but but god is the true source of spiritual passion and, and and one quote i read this past week enthusiasm and persistence can make an average person superior enthusiasm and persistence can make an average person superior indifference and lethargy can make a superior person average indifference And lethargy can make a superior person average. And so as we look this morning, I want to look at Matthew chapter 14, and I want to talk about passion. Why it's so valuable. Why it's so important for us to live our lives with a passion to know Christ. And so, um, Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 22, we're going to read the story. Most of us have heard this story, even if you are new to church, or, or maybe this is your first Sunday in church, chances are you've heard a little bit about this story. So, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, immediately he made the disciples, he being Jesus, get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. be afraid verse 28 and Peter answered him Lord if it's you command me to come to you on the water he said come so Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus but when he saw the wind he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out Lord save me Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt and when they got into the boat the wind ceased and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So we talked last Sunday about these four invitations of Jesus, these, these, these four markers for every person that, that we want um, to, to achieve at Summit as we're trying to go to our spiritual summit, which is disciple-making disciples, right? And that's, that's really at the heart of why we're here and what we're doing here. And So we talked about come and see. We talked about follow me. We talked about be with me. We talked about remain in me and these invitations of Jesus. And we talked about how the reality is that all of us, right, all of us, when you're climbing, when you're, when you're trying to reach a summit, the shortest distance from point A to point B is a... Good job. I mean, pat yourself on the back. Those of you that remembered it, those of you that didn't, we're praying for you. Okay, Um, but the shortest distance, right, a straight line. If I'm standing at the bottom of the mountain and I see the summit, guess what? I want to go straight to the summit, right? I don't want to curve around. It doesn't really matter to me. You know, people, there there are some people when they go on a journey, when they go on a trip, a family vacation or something like that, and and like they're driving from here to North Carolina. I'm not sure who would ever do that. Um, But they're they're driving from here, you know, to North Carolina. Some people like to, you know, shoot out and, and go to like Pennsylvania or go see some other things, right? I'm straight down 95. Get me there as soon as possible. Shortest distance point A to point B, we got to get there, and we got to get there now, and we got to get there as fast as we can within the speed limit, or at least 10 over, right? But there's some people, right, that they just, they just like to go, I'm just kidding, okay? But they're sort of, but there, there's some people that just like to go, you know, and, and, and they like to do different things. I like, I like to go shortest distance, right? Just point A to point B, straight line, right? And the reality in our spiritual journeys is that that's not Necessarily, the way God's going to work, because God's going to send some storms into our life. God's going to send some storms into our life. God's going to send some 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 times of where where our passion is low. There's going to be times where our passion is low. There's going to be times where our passion is is super high. Right, and you can tell you can tell when someone's passion is really high, right? They have a little pep in their step. For some of you, for some of you, when your passion is low and someone else close to you, and their passion is really high, you know that their passion is really high because you just have this deep desire to punch them. Right? I mean, anybody ever been there? Right? Why are you so happy? I just got the joy of the Lord, you know, down in my heart. Where? You know, and it's like, you know, and it's like, you're just, you just, I wanna hit you right now, you know? I mean, I mean maybe, maybe that's me. Maybe I have some aggression to work out at men's breakfast next Saturday during the cornhole tournament. But you know, right? You can tell the difference when someone's passion is high and someone's passion is low. And we see the disciples here, right? They had just gotten done with uh, ministry, um, feeding the 5,000. We see that they had just finished that up. They were just wrapping that up. And immediately, Scripture says, immediately He made the disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side. And what had happened was, in this passage that we read, is that a storm comes. A storm comes. And there's five things that I want to talk about that we need to know when a storm comes. When our passion is not where we want it to be. When our passion might be low. When our passion is not where we want it to be. The first thing that we've got to know when a storm comes is number one, He brought me here. The first thing to know, and maybe one of the hardest things to grasp when a storm comes is that He brought me here. He brought me here. I, I love the story of David Ring. I know I've shared it many, many times, but David Ring's an evangelist who has cerebral palsy, and he talks about his calling, his purpose, his passion in life was to be an evangelist. The problem was he had this, he had this uh, disability called cerebral palsy that affected the way he talked. And he would challenge congregation after congregation after congregation. He said, somebody told me, you'll never be a preacher. You'll n- nobody will ever want to listen to you. And he's like, I've preached 300 and something days this year. He's like, you'll never have kids. Nobody, nobody will ever love you. Nobody will ever have kids. He had like five kids, you know, he had like five kids. He, and so he stands up on a stage in front of full place after full place after full place. And he's, uh, he says, I have cerebral palsy. What's your problem? pretty amazing right but he says that instead of asking why right when the storm comes when the storm comes and 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 our temptation is undoubtedly i've done it you've done it why why me god why now why in this moment at this time in this place would you want to bring this storm into my life and david ring says don't ask why ask what god what are you doing God, what are, you trying to, what are you trying to shape in me? What are you trying to create in me? What are you trying to accomplish in me? Because there's two types of storms. The first, storms of correction when God disciplines us. Storms of correction, when God disciplines us. Okay, God, so what are you trying to correct in me? What are you trying to discipline in me? What are, you, what are you seeing in my life that we need to work on, that we need to fix? And the other type of storms is storms of perfection, when God helps us grow. And so immediately, Jesus had his disciples get into the boat because he knew what was coming. He knew what was coming. He knew that there was going to be a storm that had come. That was going to come. And the thing that the disciples needed to remember, and we need to remember today, is that He brought us here. He sent us here. He brought us here, and He can care for us here in whatever the storm is that we're facing today. Whatever the storm is that you're walking through this morning. The first thing we've got to know in a storm when our time The time where our passion is low is that He brought us here. Number two, He's praying for you. He's praying for me. The second thing that we've got to know in a storm is He's praying for me. See, I love this picture. I love what we say, what, what we see here in this passage. And after He dismissed the crowds, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. When evening came, He was there alone. We see a similar, we see a similar uh, 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 passage to this in the book of Exodus. When, when Moses was on the mountain praying and the Israelites lost heart because they didn't know what had become of this Moses. Where was Moses? Right where he needed to be. In the presence of God. We see Jesus here right where he needed to be. Praying to his Father. I remember um, I think it was the second or third uh, uh, mentor session that I had when I was 16 years old after I'd given my life to full-time ministry. And, and my, my youth pastor looked at me and said, okay, we're going we're gonna to <coughs> go for a drive. And we went for a drive one day, and we went to this place called Medoc Mountain. It's not a mountain, okay? But in, in, in our place in North Carolina, which was very flat, it was a, it was a pretty high hill okay? So we called it a mountain, all right? And at this, at this mountain, okay, they had some benches that you could sit on kind of along the hill, okay? And, um, and, and, and so my, my youth pastor said, I come here four times a year, four times a year, once a quarter. He said, I come here and I spend half the day sitting on this bench with God, not a phone, nothing else, not a laptop. Those things weren't as popular back then as they are now. It's kind of crazy um, for me to say that, Um, but he said, I just bring a notebook, a pen, and a Bible, and I just meet with God, and so he brings me, he brings me to this place in Medoc Hill, um, uh, and and he shows me this bench, and I'm sitting there, and I've got my Bible, I've got my notebook, I've got my pen, and, and I looked at Thad, and I said, okay, Thad, so what do we want to talk about? What are we going to do today? And he just looked at me, he said, shh. What 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 is this? You know what is this? He said. He said we're just going to be quiet. And he's like, I want you to write down everything that God shows you through Scripture. So it was, I mean, pretty awesome opportunity, right? You know what I wrote down uh, in my notebook uh, that day before we left and went back in the church van and drove back to the church and had youth group. You know, I, let me let me tell you everything that I wrote down on my notebook, on my blank notebook when I left absolutely nothing nothing i thought this was the most ridiculous thing on the planet to go and sit for. i thought this was a waste of time right because you remember my first time with that my first mentor meeting he handed me a toilet brush and told me to go scrub all the toilets and here we're sitting on a bench quiet not talking not doing anything listening to god i was trying to learn how to preach I didn't need to just sit there. I didn't need to scrub toilets. See where I'm going with that? This, I believe, is the most vital thing that we can do to keep the passion in our lives. Stop. Go to a quiet place. I love what Russ did. I I thought he was a little off last Sunday when he said, listen, when I get up there and start to talk, I want you to call me. But you're going to be... And I've learned with Russ, Pastor Russ, that you just don't ask questions. You just do. But that's such a picture of our quiet time, right? When we want to sit down and get alone with God, that's when everybody wants to text you. That's when everybody wants to call you. That's when everything seems so urgent. But Jesus got rid of all the distractions, didn't He? He sent everybody out on the boat. He dismissed the crowds. And He got alone with the Father. What a beautiful picture. And, and, it, and it always strikes me when I read this passage, teach on this passage, that if Jesus needed time alone with His Father, Jesus, right? Jesus The Savior, if He needed time alone with his Father, how much more do I need time alone with, Father? This story, He's praying for me. Let's go back to He's praying for me. He brought me here. He's praying for me. This story is a picture of the church today. We, Summit Church, are on the sea and Jesus is in heaven still praying for us. See, if you knew, if you knew, if I told you, if if you knew that Jesus was in the next room over here, if he was in this if he was in this room right back here, if you knew that Jesus was right in there praying for you, would it not give you new courage to endure what you're going to do and to endure what you're going through and do his will? Of course it would. Of course it would. He is. He's praying for you. He sees your need. He knows your frustration. He knows your fears. And he's in control of your situation. So, things to know in a storm. Number one, he brought me here. Number two, he's praying for me. Number three, he will. Everybody say, Will. All right, good. Just making sure you're still with me. He will come to me. He may not come at the time when we think he should. He may not answer us when when we think he should answer us or when when we think he should text us back. But he comes. Why did Jesus walk on the water? To show his disciples that the very thing they feared was only a staircase for him to come to them. He walked on water that day to show His disciples that the thing that they feared, the storm that they feared, was only a staircase for Him to come to them. See, often we fear the difficult experiences in life, only to realize that they bring us closer to Jesus. Job loss, job search, surgery, health issues, the list goes on and on. But why didn't they recognize Jesus? When they saw Jesus walking on water, they 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 feared, right? Because they thought it was a ghost. Why didn't they recognize Jesus? Because they weren't looking for him. Because they weren't looking for him. Cuz they, they weren't looking for him. So He brought me here. He's praying for me. He will come to me. Number four, He will help me grow. He will help me grow. See, the whole purpose of this storm is to help the disciples grow in their faith. Now, I want to talk about Peter for a second. I want to talk about Peter for a second because they said, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him. And Peter answered him. Now, so many times Peter gets a bad rap in this story. But before we criticize him, let's honor the demonstration of faith that Peter had to to have the boldness, to have the passion. And this is why God really brought me to this passage this week in talking about a passion to know Christ. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Peter had the passion to be with Jesus so desperately that he was the only one that said, hey, Jesus, if that's you, I want to be with you. I want to be with you wherever you are. No matter the situation, no matter the circumstances, I believe you're bigger than this water. I believe you're bigger than this storm. Call me and I will step out of this boat and come to you. So Jesus did, and Peter stepped out of the boat and came to him. What do you think Thomas was doing in that moment? Right, because we—if—if if you don't know, right? Thomas has pegged the doubter. Right? He's—he's he's that one at your workplace. This will never work. Peter, you're—you're you're dumb, Peter. Peter, think about this, Peter. Let's—let's let's do an analysis of this, Peter. What's going to happen if you step out of this boat? I—I I, I, I don't know if Thomas talked like that, but I'm picturing. I'm sorry, Thomas, if you were more manly than. But you know, I just. I just picture Thomas being over there. This is the dumbest thing. Right? This will never work. Right? Let me tell you something. In your passion to know Christ, if you don't have people looking at you or talking behind your back saying, this is the dumbest thing, this will never work, then your passion's not big enough. Let that sink in. So we've got to give credit to... Peter here. He stepped out of the boat. See, anybody can sit in the boat and watch. Anybody can come to church and watch. Anybody can sit on the bleachers and watch, but it takes a real person with real faith to leave the boat and walk on water. And then what caused them to sink? What caused them to sink? What caused them to sink? I want you to see this. He says, And so Peter, uh, he said, come, so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw, now I want you to see that. Everybody say the word saw. 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 Underline that in your Bible. Highlight it. Star it. Okay, but when he saw the wind, what had happened in this storm when he was walking to Jesus is he took his eyes off of Jesus. He took his eyes off of Jesus. He saw the wind wind. He saw the storm. He remembered, oh yeah, wait a minute, I'm going through something here. I'm dealing with something here. And he saw the wind. See, we must, and he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the circumstances around him. He was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord save me. This hit me real hard this past week. I want you to see that word beginning. Isn't Isn't it amazing that Every, I mean, I've probably read this story hundreds of times, hundreds of times, hundreds of times. I've preached on it many times. But this week, more than any other time, that word beginning jumped off the page at me. And as he was beginning to speak, see, we must give credit to Peter for knowing that he was sinking and crying out to Jesus for help. I want you to notice that he cried out to Jesus as he was beginning to sink, not when he was drowning. See, isn't it like us? Isn't it like us to wait until we're drowning to get help? Isn't it like us to wait until the situation is absolutely desperate to get help? I can't tell you how many times I've had the conversation with people about marriage, about finances, about this, about that, and, 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 they, and they come to me, not even in the 12th hour, in like the 48th hour, when things are absolutely desperate, when the landlord is going to come tomorrow, when the heat's going to get shut off in four hours, and they're absolutely desperate, and my response wants to be, hey, and sometimes I've even said this, hey, why didn't we talk about this two weeks ago? I mean, you know, right? I mean, me, me hear me real quick. You know that you weren't created to do life alone. You weren't created to carry the burdens that you're carrying alone. And so when things happen, when storms come, don't don't wait. Don't wait until the flood water, water start pouring in. Don't wait until this. Don't wait until that. Call for help. When he was beginning to sink, when he was beginning to sink, he cried out to Jesus. And Jesus grabbed his hand, picked him up. And we don't see this in Scripture, but I, I just... I just believe when Jesus and and Peter got back in the boat, there was Thomas saying, I told you so. Right? Because we always got to have one of those, right? In the church. that, That I told you so person. That's not in there. That's totally me, okay? So, I'll apologize to Thomas when I get to heaven. Jesus immediately reached out His hand and took hold of him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got in the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped Him, saying, truly, you're the Son of God. So the fourth thing that Jesus will do in a storm is He'll help us grow. The fifth thing is He will see us through. He will see me through. Whatever He starts, He completes. Now, if we fast forward in the story of Peter, if we fast forward uh, you know, quite a few months and and, 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 and time and, and Jesus uh, being crucified, being buried, risen again, uh, ascending into heaven, we see that, that Peter stood on the front lines of the early church. Peter stood on the front lines of the early church. And, and it's just incredible to see this full circle. If we had more time, I'd love to walk you through a little bit more. But in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were, um, were, 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 were in and out of trouble for preaching the gospel. And so they were talking to this council of people. They were talking to this council of people. And, and, and we see this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. I love what Pastor Russ said last Sunday. He said, you don't need a seminary degree to meet with Jesus. You don't need, you don't need this, you don't need that to meet with Jesus. We see that Peter and John, uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized, get that, Acts 4.13, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Jesus they had recognized that they had been with Jesus now I don't know about you but this morning this morning I get pretty excited I get pretty passionate because I want people to recognize that I was with Jesus that I am a Jesus person Okay, uh, we were in um, a little town in New Hampshire a couple weeks ago, and there was a coffee shop that, this, uh, that these missionaries owned, and we were told to go there by some friends of ours, and some friends of ours were running this pastor's retreat that I was a part of a couple weeks ago, and they told us about this little coffee shop because they had a pretty incredible experience while they were there. They walked in, they were ordering coffee, and, and, and finally this person walked up to them from the, from the coffee shop, and they said, hey... I don't know much about this. I'm not a Christian. But you people are Christians, aren't you? And they were like, yeah, yeah, we are. They said, we can tell. And they just turned around and walked away. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I want that to happen, right? I want people to know that I'm a Jesus person. That I'm different. I don't want to fit in so bad that you can't recognize that I'm different. I talked about it last Sunday, Revelation chapter 3, the church at Laodicea. And I talked about very briefly, very quickly, as we were closing the service, I said, I talked about how Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone would open the door and let me in, that I would come in and I would worship with you and I'd dine with you. In fact, I'm going to turn there. I'm going to turn there for just a moment as we're closing today. He says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either hot, would that, you were either, would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, notice that. That literal meaning, spit, means. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm the only one that uses this microphone. <laughs> I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered. And I, need cloth- and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and the salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous. And repent. See, there's the promise of the storms, right, for discipline. The storms of correction. Those whom I what? Love. Not those whom I want to pick on. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. We forget that so quickly in the church. So be zealous and repent. And then he goes in. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. See, passion isn't something... Listen to me, listen to me. Passion isn't something that is static Or stays the same. Passion isn't something that is static or stays the same. A fire either spreads or it burns out. The tendency of fire, if left by itself, is to go out. The result is apathy. Apathy isn't a state of mind, it's a state of heart. God knows the moment we lose our passion or zeal, we lose vision and perspective. And the problem with that is the enemy knows this too. And to the enemy, there is nothing that he likes better than an apathetic Christian. There's nothing he likes better than just a churchgoer. One definition of lukewarmness, I want you to hear this, although hard, I believe good. one definition of lukewarmness, you know, that, 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 that way of living that makes God want to spit us out of His mouth? One definition of lukewarmness is serving God in such a way as to not offend the devil. Serving God in such a way as to not offend the devil. See, I love what Jesus says here. You say, I'm rich. I've prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. See, let me, t- let, me, let me just tell you something really quick. 53 out of 100 people in our world today that fill this earth, 53 out of 100 people live on less than $2 a day. Fifty three out of a hundred people live on less than two dollars a day. You are rich. You're rich. We're blessed. We have every opportunity. Every opportunity. I believe no excuse to serve God. No excuse to give him our lives open-handed. say have your way but it starts hear me because we're going to talk a lot more about this next week next week we're going to talk about living to know Jesus living to know Jesus so if you're frustrated with this message don't come next week okay don't because you'll get even more frustrated but but we're going to get real I don't want to waste my time with that fake stuff we're going to get real with this It starts with getting out of the boat. It starts with having such a deep, white, hot passion to be as close to Jesus as we can be, that we're willing to be bold enough to tell Thomas to shut it and get out of the boat and go be with Jesus. Not now. I got to be with Jesus. Moses and Exodus. Not now, Israelites. Not now. I got to go be with God. I got to figure out what we're doing next. There is nothing more important than my passion for Jesus. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Francis Chan was preaching on this about 15 years ago to his church, and he looked at his church, and he said, don't you dare do anything else until you find a passion for Jesus. He told his congregation, don't leave this room and go to lunch before you find a passion for Jesus. Don't go have a conversation with your kids. Don't do this. Don't do that. Before you find a passion for Jesus, because that passion for Jesus will dictate every other aspect of your life. Every other aspect of your life. I got to steal her thunder. I don't want to, but I got to steal her thunder. Sunday night. Sunday night. We 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 were having one of those. I know this has probably never happened in your house. And I know Timothy says one of the requirements of the pastor is to have his home in order, which means his kids have to be perfect. But su- Sunday night Sunday night in our house last week, and some of you are coming to a small group at my house tonight, we'll try not to repeat, okay? But we were having one of those times with our kids that you call a blow-up, okay? A meltdown, a, a, a situation okay and 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 with one with with one of our kids okay we, we were just we were at our wits end and and it was it was a it was just a bad night you know we had a great morning at church we had a great afternoon patriots played terrible but whatever um and then we got and then we got to the night and it was just it was everything just went down the tubes and so we put the kids to bed, and I'm putting Ezra to bed, and then I, I, I get a text from Kristen, and and she says, is Ezra asleep? And I'm like, he's kind of stirring, and she says, well, you need to get out to the living room right now. And I thought, oh, jeez, I thought it was over, you know. And so I'm walking down the hallway out to our living room, just dreading what's coming. And I open the door, and I see Micah, who's our 8-year-old, sitting with Kristen on the couch mommy says to Micah now you need to tell daddy and I'm like oh man here we go you know just dreading what's coming like can we not just all go to bed for the love and she said I needed to come back out I know you told us to go to bed many times (laughs) but I needed to come back out and I wanted to ask you how do I invite Jesus into my heart but I want to be mad right now, right? And I've been asking that little girl for about a year and a half, Mica, Micah, Micah, let's, let's talk about this, let's talk about this. Daddy, I'm not ready, would be her response. I'd be like, whoa, like, calm down. But she was adamant. Daddy, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And then Sunday night, gets out of her bed, comes out, we may have put the fear of God in her, I'm not sure, but it was, anyway all of that went away she woke up Monday morning she came out for breakfast, she's like, I just feel so different I just feel so different I'm just so glad I'm just so glad I invited Jesus into my heart and I'm like And and you can ask Kate, like I came in the office Monday morning, like I might as well have been skipping. I might as well have been like hopping around this place because I'm like that passion, that willingness to just, just come to Jesus. Does she understand everything? Does she get, you know, justification, sanctification, glorification? Does she get all of this? Does she understand, you know, this and that? No, not even a little bit. But I love that faith. and it was contagious. That type of passion for Jesus, I just want to know Him. How do I invite Jesus into my heart? How can I live for Jesus today? I took a really crappy, excuse my language, night and made it unbelievable. Unbelievable. Because the biggest thing I've prayed for since bria has been born, Mike has been born, Ezra's been born, and Vera's been born. I got that right. There's just so many of them. The most important decision they'll ever make for their daddy is not where they go to school. Not whether they play ball or not. None of it. But their decision to follow Jesus. And apparently she went to school on Monday and told all the kids on the playground what she had done. Told her teacher. And I'm just like, man, it's amazing. It's amazing. And so where are you this morning? Where are you in knowing Christ this morning? Where are you in your passion for Jesus this morning? The worship team is going to come. I want you to pray three things, because the reality is, the storms and the bad nights will always win without passion. And so I believe these are going to come up on the screen. And here's how I want to lead you in prayer this morning, as we're closing down. Number one, I want you to ask God to reveal to you the areas that you're lukewarm. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you would say, man, Travis, I'm just, really, I'm just really bad on this right now. There's some things that I value above God. There's some things that I'm placing in front of God. I just read this morning, anything we put in front of God, anything we value above God is an idol. Anything. Anything. It can be family, it can be job, can be hobby can be a sports team, can be this, can be that. Anything that we place in front of God is an idol. So maybe the place where you need to pray this morning is you need to pray to God to reveal to you the areas that you're lukewarm. Number two, maybe you need to ask God to give you strength in an area of weakness. Maybe an area of weakness for you is faith. Maybe an area of weakness for you, and listen, listen, I battle it, I battle it every day. Maybe you're the Thomas in the boat. That'll never work. Maybe you need to stand at the edge of that boat and say, okay, Jesus, if that's you, I'll I'll get out. I'll get out. It doesn't make sense to me. Everything in me says to stay in this boat. But if that's you, Jesus, I'll, I'll step out. Maybe you need to ask God to give you faith, strength in an area of weakness. And then the third prayer I want you to pray. Maybe this is you this morning. This is a big one. God, do whatever it takes to give me a passion for the things of you. Do whatever it takes to give me a passion for the things of you. And be ready. Because when you ask God to do whatever it takes, He will do whatever it takes. But would you be willing to pray that bold of prayer, God, do whatever it takes to set me on fire and give me a white, hot passion for you. So as these guys play a song, would you take one of these prayers, would you take one of these responses, and would you just spend that time praying? Would you just spend that time praying? God, give me a white hot passion for you. Do whatever it takes. God, reveal to me an area of my life where I'm lukewarm. God, give me strength in an area of weakness. Would you pray that? Because I want us to be a people. Like the book of Acts when Peter and John were standing there, unschooled, ordinary men. But the people that they were standing in front of said, wait a minute. You guys have been with Jesus. I want people to say that about you. I want people to say that about me. Let's pray.